Genesis chapter number 11. Last week we looked at the story of the Tower of Babel. Man, very interesting. And now we've come to our third genealogy. We are not going to go through this one in as much detail as we have the last. In fact, I'm going to let you read most of that on your own. Um, but I wanted to uh, point out a few things. Did you all get this paper? With uh, All right, cool. Let's look at that real quick. Um, the genealogy of Abraham and the genealogy of Jesus, who is a descendant of Abraham. Noah was the father of Shem. Shem was the father of Arphaxad. That was first called, lived about 4,100 years ago. 2,100. So, uh, obviously, years, but um, in the grand scheme, a long time. And these genealogies help us build the history of God's people. Um, and so, if you go in there, um, and you progression in there throughout these timelines. Um, but I, I wanted to give you this so you can get some numbers um, that help us date things in the Bible. Um, so the total years in this chronia, uh, this genealogy is 300 and what? Um, if you go to that next paragraph, God later changed Abram's name to Abraham, Genesis 17, 5. From the flood until Abraham was conceived was 301 years. So that's what we read here in Genesis 11. Noah lived 350 years after the flood. He would have been alive until Abraham was 49 years old. Um, so that tells me that um, maybe, I, I can't speak 100%, but there could have been a time when, you know, Noah, being the old guy, me anyways. Um, Abraham was 75 years old when God promised to make him a great nation and led him to a promised land. Abraham... Nahor and Haran were the sons of Terah. Lot was the son of Haran. Um, you see that in Genesis eleven twenty seven. That made Lot Abraham's nephew. That will come into play later in Genesis. Abraham took Lot with him when he went and died. So he kind of adopted him and took him. Um, we'll read about that here in a moment. Um, so one way we can date the earth is just by looking at all the genealogies in um, the Bible. Genesis 5 contains a genealogy from Adam to Noah, which is 1,656 years. Genesis 11 contains a genealogy starting with Shem and ending with Abraham, 301 years. Matthew 1 contains a genealogy from Abraham to Jesus. Matthew 1 says that all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David until the carrying 14 generations, and from the carrying away into Babylon to Christ are 14 generations. So a total of 42 generations from Abraham to Jesus. I don't know about you, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarah was barren, she had no child. And Terah took Abram, his son, and the son of Haran, and dwelt there in Haran. This is vitally important. Because most of the time when you um, study the life of Abraham, you start in chapter Father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee, and make thy name great, 
and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. We're going to talk about that a lot next Wednesday. But I wanted to give you the um, very near the place where they had the Gulf War back in 1990, 1991. Um, and so in that area around the Persian Gulf, this is where Ur of the Chaldees was. Um, and it was a place with all kinds of activity. A lot of humans lived there. Its population was booming because of the Persian Gulf. All kinds of different things were happening in that area. Some of the things that were happening because of things found in, you know, the um, things with the Tower of Babel, that they began sacrificing. And many uh, theologians, many historians believe that a lot of that centered right there by the Persian Gulf where um, they were doing all kinds of things in the name of worshiping a God. Um, just terrible, despicable, um, unbelievable things. And this is where Abraham comes from. He comes from a place that is just, just terrible to live in. Um, the rude, ruthless people, um, mean, discouraging, probably having to work to the bone just to scrape by type of place. You know what that tells me? That God can call anyone from anywhere. Listen to me. We can look at our circumstances today, and believe me, I understand. And we can look at what's going on right now in our lives, and we can look forward and think, it's always going to be like this. We're always going to struggle. Circumstance, there's no way you can get out of it. But the story of Abraham tells us that not only can you get out of it, but God can bless you as he pulls you out of it. Um, so no matter your age, I mean, consider, how old was Abraham when he was called? I just said it. 75 years old. That means I still got 35 years of wandering around. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> 75 years old, and God said, I want you. And just so you know, if God calls you at 75, do you know how old Abraham was when he died? He was 175. So God could use you for 100 more years. Come on, Brother Taylor. 100 more years. You got it? Come on. <laughs> um, as one reads these verses, if you, especially the verses in chapter number 11, um, there's wretchedness, there's, there's hopelessness in his time in Ur. Um, if you read other parts of the Bible, again, um, it uses words like darkness and death and despair. Um, no matter how you look at it, Abraham's early years were wretched. Um, so at the preacher's conference I've been at the last few days, um, the kind of the theme, it wasn't a typed out or it wasn't a planned theme, but God has a way of working these things out. And they almost all the speakers preached about hope and trouble. Um, but there was one preacher, and I, I actually bought five of his books. If anybody would like one, you're welcome to. Um, and he had been, he's been a preacher his entire life up in Kansas. And um, when he was uh, 50 or so, um, his, he got a phone call that his oldest son had died in just a terrible accident. Um, and the, the pain that it caused him, I mean, he, he told his wife, I'm done serving God. There's no way I could do this ever again. 
the, the, the amount of pain that he went through. He, he said, I'm done. Um, but then he started talking to another pastor. This other pastor had almost an identical story. And this other pastor began to kind of help him along. And this other pastor walked him through a Psalm chapter 14. It's only, I think it's only six verses. Um, and in that question is like, where are you, God? Have you ever been there? Where are you, God? To ending it with saying, I will trust in your mercy and your salvation. In just six short verses, we see a man going from dark despair to the light of God's salvation. Hear me, friend. What I love about the story of Abraham is that God knew who he was. God knew where he was. And God had a plan for him the entire time. Look at me. God knows who you are. God knows where you are. And God has a plan for you the entire time. And it doesn't matter what you're going through today, that God can help bring you out and put you on a path that will give him glory and give him honor. Number two. So we have an initial problem. Many of us, when we think of Abraham, we just think, in fact, if you read Hebrews chapter 11, in fact, can someone go there for me? Hebrews 11, I'm 99% sure it's verse number 8. Um, if you read that verse, it kind of seems to tell you that Abraham just got up and went. And if you start in, verse, or if you start in chapter number 12, with the story of Abraham, it definitely seems like that. But chapter number 11, the end of it, gives us more context to the call that God put on Abraham's life. God says, get up and go. Leave your kindred, leave your family. The issue is, he doesn't. Sure, he gets up and goes, but he takes a lot of his family with him, including his dad, Terah. So the first point was Abraham's um, wretched years, past obscurity. The second point is Abram's partial obedience. We'll call them the wasted years. God calls him to depart. We are not told how the call came to Abraham. I mean, how does this happen? Obviously, there weren't cell phones. Right? Come on, y'all. Man alive. I've been preparing that joke all day. Man. Um, thank you, John. <laughs> there, there, there weren't cell phones. Um, there wasn't a pager service or anything like that. Um, really, the only way God could call was if he said something. Um, now, listen, I believe God still speaks, okay? But if you start talking to me about a verbal conversation you're having with God, we're going to talk to you and get you to a pharmacist, okay? Because <laughs> God doesn't speak like that anymore. At least for right now. God speaks today through his word. Written down for us. That's all we need to have. Um, but at this time, there was none. God didn't speak through. And the only way it could have happened is if God told him. So he probably gave him at least some instructions. We know one thing he didn't say from Hebrews. Does somebody have that? Go ahead, Brother John. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 8. Have faith like a man. Have faith like the Israelites, who when they received God's word, 
Just go ahead. That's good. That's good. Um, just consider. God tells him to go. In verse number one, he tells us kind of who's supposed to go. He tells him to get up and leave, take some people with him, but not all of the people. Just go. But God doesn't tell him the exact location. Just to this land, this promised land. And Abraham goes. Can I tell you what I hate? Getting in my car, having to be somewhere, and not exactly knowing how to get there. I hate that. Uh, any other guys hate that? Oh, yeah. You, you, I got to know where I'm going. Have you ever used your GPS? You know, one of my wife's gifts to me at a Christmas decades ago um, uh, was a GPS, a Garmin. And we went, she can testify, we went on a, a, a weekend before we had kids. We, you know, you could do those things. <laughs> and we went to Oklahoma City. And we get to Oklahoma City, and it must have been the big buildings or something, and that Garmin just stopped working. We wanted to get to a hotel. We wanted to find a place to eat, and the Garmin just said, no. No. And, but here Abraham is called to go somewhere, and he's not exactly sure where. Do you know what it shows us? Faith. He's called to go, so he does. But here's the issue. He kind of hedges his bets. He, he, he kind of plays it safe. He doesn't want to just jump all in yet. He wants to have the people closest to him still there. Obviously, Sarah's going. But he takes Lot, and that would come back to bite him. He takes his dad, and we see here it kind of is a... Um, a barrier to him getting to where he's actually supposed to be. In my opinion, God's call to Abraham was, you go and I'll lead the way. Kind of like with the nation of Israel through the wilderness. You go, I'll lead the way. Um, and, but they stop short. Did you notice? Look with me at, let's see. Um, look at verse number 31 of chapter 11. It says, And Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarah, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. They went forth with him from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. Look what it says. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. You know what that's like? Saying, hey, I'm living in Michigan, I'm moving to Texas, but stopping in Oklahoma City and saying, I'm just going to live here now. Would any of that be okay with any Texan? <laughs> would you be, would you allow me to say, hey, I'm from Texas when I actually live in Oklahoma City? Right? Um, uh, they didn't make it. They left to go, but they played it safe and stopped in. So he, he took the wrong people. And did you notice another thing he said? Verse number 31 starts with, and Terah took Abram. The gall came to who? Came to Abram. And here's dad, like dads are wont to do, takes over. He, he says, okay, I mean, we can leave, 
But we're not going all the way to Canaan. We're going to stop in Herod. We don't know how long this takes. God called Abram to go. They went, but they stopped short. Listen, I am now 40. Still, um, especially in many people's eyes, very young, right? Thank you. <laughs> but I, I, I've been in ministry all my life. I've got 40 years experience in this stuff. My dad's a pastor. He's been a pastor as long as I can remember. I mean, I have been around church my entire life, and I can name people after people, people, people that said, yes, God, use me. But something happened, and they stopped. They, they got upset, or um, they didn't jump all in, or whatever the case may be. And then I have talked to people that that happened to them maybe before I was born, and they have talked to me since and said, Preacher, I live my life with regrets now, because I know... God called me to preach, and I never did. I went off and took this job, and I took that job, and I did this, and I did that. And I never did, hear me, what God called me to do. Can I just be honest? I couldn't imagine. I'm praying that God gives me grace to allow me to finish the course. You know, Apostle Paul. Um, 2 Timothy 4, I have finished my course, kept the faith. And I pray that that happens for me. And, but if it doesn't, I promise you, there are going to be days when I look back and say, I let God down. He had something for me, and I didn't live up to it. Hear me, friend. God doesn't just call preachers. God doesn't just call Abrahams. God has a call for each of you. God has a plan for each and every one of us. And I mean, just think of it. The God of the universe knows who you are. That's amazing. I got to meet Congressman Elsie a couple weeks back. And it's pretty cool. I got his number in my phone now. I've told a couple people about that. <laughs> but you know what's even cooler? God knows me. He has a plan for me. He has called me to something. Hey, children, listen to me. You can get this better than maybe many adults in the room. God knows you. God loves you. And God has a plan for you. He wants you to accomplish something for him with your life. And if you get that burden... Don't chase anything else because there's nothing better than following Jesus. Number three, Abram's precious opportunities. We'll call these the wonder years. You ever watch that show? Come on. <laughs> the wonder years. Who is, who is in that? Fred Savage. Yeah. And the cute girl. All right, my wife was in there? Come on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I have to get some brownie points every now and then, right? 
Um, at the age of 75, this man named Abram finally makes his break with the old life. He leaves Haran on the great adventure of faith. These verses tell us that after all the wretched years in his homeland, after all the wasted years of delay, God reserves some wonderful years of delight. I mean, just consider. We are talking about this man 4,000 years later. Really, and we're going to focus, oh man, the next four or five months on this man and what he did after he turned 75 years old, what he did for the Lord. Just consider what God can do with you for the rest of the time he has for you. Just consider. He obeys, finally. Do you know what it took? It took the death of his dad. Ooh, there's a powerful lesson here. My dad and I, we often share our sermons and things. And so I talked to him about mine tonight. And he actually said to me over the phone, Andrew, I hope that... I'm never a dad like Tara to keep you from God's will. And I said, I hope I'm never a dad like Tara to my boys. Listen, Tara was the reason there was the delay. I don't want to be a dad that holds up God's blessings for my kids. Finally, Abram goes. He Begins to follow God into the promised land. Just consider some of the things that he gets. He gets a new home. Many theologians actually believe that Abram becomes the richest man maybe to ever live. Because he followed God. Now, we shouldn't follow God because we hope to get rich. I'm just saying. God blessed him because he obeyed. He had many offspring. I mean, we sing the song. You know it. Father Abraham had many sons. Come on, you know, many sons. Come on, Ben. And Father Abraham, I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. What is, how's it go? Right on. right on, right? And then you go through it. So when I was a youth pastor, we would do these things called uh, road rallies, scavenger hunts. And the busiest intersection in Wichita Falls, you know, like five cars an hour. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, Kemp and Kel, and uh, what we would make them do these activities to get the next clue. And one of those, they had to go out there and sing at the top of their lungs with a video recording and do all of the motions to Father Abraham while they did, and they couldn't get the next clue until they did those motions. And we still had the videotapes, and we send them to their parents every so often. Um, uh, so many offspring, just consider all of the Jewish people that there are today. But, I mean, just consider how you and I view Abraham. For faith, we can still sing that song. Because our faith starts with Israel. Not with us. But then, even Muslims go back and look at Abraham as kind of the father of the religion that they have today. And so just consider how many people look back at Abraham as kind of a father figure for them. 
He gets great blessings. He gets a new name. Um, God will protect him from his enemies. God will bless his friends. I still believe that today. We'll talk about that a lot here in a little bit. Abraham doesn't know yet how God's going to work everything out. But he knows that God will do it. Man. He doesn't know all of the details about how God is going to work everything out. He just trusts God because God is good. Hear me. I can't tell you about the situations that just in the last two weeks have come across my desk. I have no idea how all of them are going to play out. No idea. But I know my God. And my God is good. And he has been good since the beginning. His track record is good. And he will work all these things out. We have it if we believe God's word. It tells us that God will work all things out for our good to those who are called according to his purpose. Hear me, friend. God will work it all out. And I don't want to bury the lead. <laughs> but if you read his story, what happens? God works it all out. Everything that he had promised, God came through. One more thing. As Abram begins his journey of faith, he must have questioned how God could take someone from a land of idolatry and make him a blessing to all of the nations in the earth. When he died 100 years later, at age 175, he still did not have an answer, really, for that question. But this man died in faith. When Abram left Haran, he did so with all his hopes hidden in his heart. He held all the unseen things of the future in the hand of faith. He trusted God to take care of it, and the Lord fulfilled every promise just as he said he would. As we live this life of faith, there will be times when we can't see the way. There will be days when we too will wonder how God could ever do anything with people like us. And all the time, you have no idea how many times I get into the pulpit and I think, God, there's somebody better. God, there, somebody else could lead the church. God, all of the time, the, the devil likes to throw those doubts. But the thing about those doubts is they're at least coming from a root of truth because none of us deserve it. But hear me, God uses people like us every single day. The people God uses greatly are those who will walk obediently wherever the path of God leads. Whether they understand everything or not, 
whether they like it all or not, whether they know what will happen or not. These are the people who get to see the Lord part the seas of life. They see the multitudes get fed by their hand. They're the people that get to see Jesus perform the miracle right there. They're the ones that live by faith. And they get to see the Lord do the impossible over and over and over again. There's an old saying that goes, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. It took Abram a while, but he finally made that step. When he did, he saw God do things that amazed him until the day he died. I don't know how much longer God has me here and, you know, alive. <laughs> um, but I pray that at the end of my life, I'll be able to look back and tell stories. Like I got to hear from Brother Miller today, talking about preachers he knew in Denver and how they fed these people and helped those people and unbelievable things. And I pray that I can have that kind of testimony when I'm 90 and still serving Jesus. How about you? How about you? Let's pray.